0: I know it's been a rough couple weeks after uh, finding out about Grayson, and um, you know maybe there's other storms that you're going through tonight. I know uh, Adam mentioned one, and I know I'll mention uh, my storm that I went through today, but maybe there's some other storms that you're going through, maybe at home or other areas. Uh, just know that there's peace on the other side of that storm as we get through, uh, go through those times there. So I trust the message tonight will help you uh, bring you a little closer to weathering whatever storm that you're going through tonight. So if you found your place there in James, uh, let's uh, pick it up in James chapter 1 and verses 1 through 4. We'll read, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you for uh, the times that you've given to us. We thank you, Lord, for the storms that you bring into our lives, Lord, that uh, it draws us closer to you uh, for many, many ways and many times. And uh, Lord, we just uh, thank you for the truth of your word, that it's a comfort to us as we go through trials, as we go through struggles, Lord, knowing that you're always there for us. And uh, Lord, we just ask that you would be with us now tonight as we look into your word and I pray that you be glorified and honored through all that's said and done here. We love you, Lord, and ask for your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The title of my message tonight is Embracing the Storms of Life. Embracing the Storms of Life. Uh, I shared my testimony here many times in the past, and uh, many of you know that I I love airplanes. I love flying airplanes. I I love airplanes. I haven't done it in a long time, but the Lord used aviation as a, a significant event in my life to get my life back on track. Uh, after kind of going in the wrong direction uh, in high school, getting in trouble and those kinds of things, the Lord, uh, after I got saved, the Lord used aviation to kind of keep my focus there. Uh, so after uh, I got saved in high school, I stopped getting into trouble. I worked at a local airport for a number of years uh, through my last couple years of high school all the way up through college, learning how to fly airplanes. And uh, from my last two years in high school up until that time, I, I learned how to fly single engine airplanes, multi engine airplanes. I learned how to fly in good weather, how to fly in bad weather, how to fly at night, uh, how to fly acrobatics, all those kinds of things. And uh, I have about 800 hours of pilot and command time. Uh, so I had a lot, of, a lot of good time. You may think, wow, that's pretty technical. Uh, I also got a license where I can fly for hire. I can fly for the airlines if I wanted to, those kinds of things. So you're like, well, you know, it's pretty technical Or Maybe some of you are saying, "Man, he's a pretty cool guy. He's got all this, he's got all this, this experience and stuff." Well, I'd side with the pretty cool guy, you know, but uh, but you know, the fundamentals of of how to fly airplanes are very similar uh, to how we need to live our lives as Christians as well, uh, and how we need to operate throughout life. See, airplanes need resistance in order to fly. They need resistance. They fly into the resistance. They fly into the wind. Uh, in order to fly. So uh, they have a greater amount of lift, and the greater amount of lift that that you get there, the higher you're able to go. And, uh, you know, it's really no different uh, for us. God designed us to face our challenges. God designed us to face the resistance, if you will, to embrace the storms uh, in our lives. And as we move forward through those trials and persecutions, we need to continue to look forward and to move forward and to trust him uh, with whatever we're going through. Uh, Maybe the storm tonight uh, for you is the loss of a loved one or maybe it's a challenge on the job or or other significant event that's causing a stress or a certain amount of resistance in your life. Let me encourage you tonight. This is your moment that you need to go into the resistance. Don't back down from the resistance. Trust the Lord as you're going through the storm and he'll guide you through. He'll guide you through the storm Uh, because, uh, you know, he wants to lift you up. He wants to complete you and complete his perfect work in you. Uh, so don't back away from the storms. Go into the storm, and the Lord will be there with you. Uh, in the book of James here, we find lots of practical applications that, uh, that can help us throughout life. Uh, the truths contained in the book here is, is a, a call for us to trust the Lord, uh, especially during those hard times, especially during those times of challenge uh, in our lives. Uh, the, the book of James here is full of direct commands. It encourages us to uh, pursue a life of faith, and that leads to growth, and that leads to maturity as a believer. You know, the original uh, audience uh, for this letter here was uh, the 12 tribes, which are scattered abroad, but it can also be applied uh, to us here today. So I want to ask you the question uh, uh, here. That, uh, James 1.1 says, James, a servant of, of God and, uh, and of the Lord Jesus Christ, the 12 tribes, which are scattered abroad. Uh, so the question, there's something to think about uh, here tonight is, why were they scattered? Why were they scattered abroad? What was going on that would cause such a division in these tribes uh, during this time? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) So why don't you turn to Acts uh, chapter eight and let's uh, let's check it out here. Acts chapter eight. Here in Acts chapter eight, we'll find the reasons why these uh, tribes were scattered, if you will. And uh, quite simply, it was because of the persecution. It was because of the resistance. Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, says this. And Saul was consenting unto his death, talking about uh, uh, Stephen, who was just stoned there in uh, chapter 7. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial uh, and made uh, great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church entering into every house and hailing men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. So it was pretty clear that uh, the church here was going through some serious persecution, weren't they? Some serious storms that that they were facing uh, during this time. Uh, Stephen was killed there in the the previous chapter uh, for following the Lord. And before Saul's conversion... We read here in in verse 1 that uh, he was consenting or he was even agreeing to the death that was going on there, to the death of Stephen. Uh, In verse 1, we also see that it was not just persecution in the church, but it specifically says great persecution. There was a lot of persecution going on uh, during that time. A lot of opposing force, if you will, that caused the Christians, that was the cause of the Christians to scatter. We see examples of the severity of this persecution uh, in verse 3 of Acts that we just read, uh, where uh, Paul wrecked havoc of the church. It was basically widespread destruction. Uh, Kind of the picture I have in my mind is the riots that we've seen lately, uh, you know, in Washington or whatever. Just kind of craziness going on. People just doing what they want, just destruction and looting, those kinds of things. Widespread destruction. Uh, Saul was entering into every house and, and hailing or basically forcefully dragging, that's what that word means, forcefully dragging uh, men and women out of their homes and throwing them into prison. So I think just for these a couple examples you can see that there was certainly a lot of persecution going on there. Uh, some severe trials that they were going through. And Christians were no doubt facing storms during this time. Their lives were in danger, their children were in danger, their friends had been arrested and, and some were even killed there. But did they let this persecution Cause them to back down? Did they let this persecution, did they cower in fear because of this persecution? What do we see here? Uh, You know, they overcame these storms. Just the opposite happened there in verse 4. They embraced the storms. And in verse 4, we read that those that were scattered abroad, what did they do? They went everywhere preaching. They They didn't let the persecution stop them. They continued on. They continued into the storm. They continued doing what they were called to do. And it says they continued, they went everywhere uh, preaching the word. So these early Christians were going through some hard times, but when the resistance came, when the storms came, they kept moving forward and they looked to Jesus for their refuge and they found their joy. So that's an example that we need to follow as well as we embrace the storms in our life, isn't it? Uh, We need to look to Jesus, look to him through the storms, to be able to further his work. Uh, through our persecution. Uh, back in James, if you want to turn back there, uh, James chapter 1 and verse 2, James is reminding those that were scattered, now we have a little bit of background here, he's reminding them uh, to count it all joy when they face temptations. Count it all joy. Now you might say, what was James thinking? They're going through all this, this challenge, this persecution, these storms, and he's telling them to put a smile on their face. He's telling them to be joyful. You know, does he not understand what's going on here? How could he possibly have the heart to tell people in the middle of their trial, in the middle of their storm, to smile or to have joy, to find joy? He's simply wanting to encourage them. He's wanting to encourage them. He understands. He knows what trial and tribulation is all about, but he just wants to encourage them. Count it all joy when you face these trials. The word count here means uh, to reckon or to imagine or to number. So he's saying, count it all joy. Think of all the joy on the other side of this trial that can come with this. Uh, that you can either bring to someone else or uh, through, your, through your challenge that, that uh, you can be an encouragement to someone else. So count it all joy. Count those things. Think on those things. James's statement here was authoritative. It was a command to the believers to face their trials, to, to think ahead, if you will, and to number all the benefits that will come on the other side of that storm. I know it's easier said than done, isn't it? It's easier said than uh, to, to tell someone that, but when you're actually going through it, it's kind of hard, isn't it? Uh, to be able to put a smile on your face when you go through those storms in your life. But we know that the trials and the storms will sometimes bring pain or sorrow or grief, Uh, but James is encouraging us to look at our trials as an opportunity uh, and also uh, an experience that the Lord wants to bring us through to bring joy to us. The very process of facing a storm also has the potential for producing good. Just as airplanes need resistance to fly, we too need resistance to help us to grow. As we move forward, to experience the joy of the Lord, to experience our full potential, we need that resistance. We need to be, we need to be tried, we need to be tested, Our metal needs to be tested, if you will. Uh, instead, instead of just kind of going through life without any resistance, you know having a little bit of that resistance there really sometimes proves who we are or, who, or proves what we believe, and those kinds of things. Uh, you know Lisa one uh, years ago, she had, um, I guess they call it a frozen shoulder or something like that. Uh, She couldn't move her shoulder. She was going through a lot of pain. That was kind of a lot of storm that she was going through during that time. It was pretty painful for me, too, to hear her complaining all the time. (laughs) But the joy of the other side of that was when she was able to unfreeze that shoulder, right? (laughs) Not only was it joyful for her, but it was joyful for me, too. (laughs) But sometimes we have to go through the pain, right? We have to go through the pain to get to that place of joy. And that happens when we go through those storms in our lives. The end result is positive. So as we continue to look on here in verse 3 of James 1, we see James is teaching the believers about their end result, about the end result of their trials and their testing. Verse 3 says, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. So James said, When you know why you're going through these trials, and he says, Knowing this, you'll be able to look for that joy in the midst of your trial. So knowing that you're going through a trial or knowing that you're about to go through a trial, You'll have that that joy as you look forward to, to that joy on the other side of that. You'll know why. So the ultimate question becomes, Lord, when you when you're going through these trials, Lord, what are you trying to teach me here, right? When you sometimes you don't understand, why did this happen to me, or why did this happen to this person, and you're, or you're going through this storm, and you know the, the natural question is to say, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? So I wrote down a few thoughts here that uh, that might be helpful. Just a few, it's not all-inclusive, but uh, first, uh, I believe God wants us to realize that when we're tested, it's intended to produce patience. It's intended to produce patience. Patience is linked to perseverance and brings with it the endurance and the stamina. And this is where my day comes in today. (laughs) I actually learned this principle firsthand uh, today and this week, but especially today, I had to register my vehicle. (laughs) And anybody that had spent any time in the DMV knows that sometimes that could be a challenge, right? Well, it started off on Monday before I went to the print shop. I stood in line there. I thought I'd be able to, to get it done because I had a little bit of time, but the line was too long. wasn't moving, so I wound up leaving. I came back a little bit later after we, we unloaded the paper and stuff. I was in line for an hour and a half. Hour and a half in line. finally get to the window, and they said they didn't have my paperwork. So after all that, I was like, okay, all right. I just kind of let it go. I was like, all right. So I finally, once I finally got all the right paperwork together, I got it on Tuesday, I guess. And then Wednesday, I, get, get, uh, or the, I got it yesterday. So today, I'm like, all right, I got my day planned out. I'm going to get there early. I left my house at like 7.15. I want to get there first thing so I can be like one of the first ones in line because I had to prepare for my message tonight, right? So I had to finish that up. So I get there this, this morning and I'm probably number seven or eight in line. Not bad, right? I mean, this is going great. I got my Starbucks, and I'm good, right? <laughs> so, so I, I get up to the window, and I give him my paperwork because it was all highlighted, and they said this is what you need to do. And so I signed where I had to sign. Everything was was good. So I give him my paperwork, and he's looking through it. He's like, "Sorry, you need another signature." I was like, "What?" And I was, you know, Lisa was home, and I was by my, you know, there by myself. So I was like, "Are you sure?" <laughs> he said he looked through. He's like, "Yep, you need one more signature." I'm like. Okay, and it was early enough. I'm like, all right, Lord, no problem. You know, I can deal with this. I got my Starbucks, so I go home and drive the 30-mile round trip back home and have her sign, and car's still running. I told her to come out, say, all right, I need you to sign this. I'm going to head back, because you know how it goes at the DMV. The lines get long, and they queue up, right? Uh, So I get there, and I get back, so the line's a little bit longer now. So the first time, there was five people in front of me. Now there's 20 people in front of me. So I had to wait a little bit, about a half hour or so. I'm like, okay, but I got all my paperwork. I did what he told me to do. I get up to the window, a different person, and she's looking through everything, and she's like, uh, sir, you, you don't have everything here. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> she's like, you're missing a signature. I was like, no way, I was like, really? I was like, look at look that again. She's like, nope, you're missing a signature. So I had to go all the way back home again, get the signature, and I'm thinking, okay, th- this has gotta be a joke or something, right? <laughs> So, I get back there. I'm standing in line again. Now, there's like 30 people in front of me this time. So, I, you know, so that was kind of my day. So, the Lord, just working on me and working on. I'm thinking of my message, okay, you know, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, right? So, I'm just trying to be positive. I'm like, what else can go wrong? There's nothing left on this paper that needs to be filled out. So, I finally, I'm the next one in line, and the lady calls me over to the window. I get up to the window, and I'm like, here's all my paperwork. And that's when I noticed it there was the name tag that said, trainee. <laughs> so you know what that means, right? Four times longer than normal. <laughs> so I'm out there. I'm like, okay, Lord, what else can you do to me today? I've learned. I know. Okay, I'll be patient. I'll be patient. <laughs> so nonetheless, it took me about five hours today to get through to get my, my car registered. So. But I learned patience today. I really did. I wasn't rude. I wasn't nasty or anything like that. I think I sent Lisa a text. I don't know if I have it here. Let me see. Oh, yeah, this is the part where I realized that the gal was a trainee. I said, The gal is a trainee and she's taking longer than normal. Lisa says, Apparently, God's teaching you and you're not listening. <laughs> I said, Well, I said, I'm, ve- I'm being very patient and courteous, though inside I'm fuming. <laughs> so that was, that was my challenge for today, today. But I learned patience. So praise the Lord on that. So that was the first thing that we learned. Patience is linked to perseverance, right? You just got to keep pressing through. If you got to go home three or four times throughout the day, oh, well, praise the Lord, right? You got to do it. Uh, The second thing there, without this resistance or without storms in our lives, uh, patience could not be developed, right? If that didn't happen to me today, I wouldn't be as patient of a person as I am now, right? (laughs) Right? (laughs) So we need to have that in our lives so patience could be developed. Kind of like some of the words in the song tonight, how can I hold your healing hand without affliction? And be blessed to see your mercies all unfold, right? Without that little bit of testing, without that little bit of trial, uh, we would never know uh, who we are or what the Lord can do. In and through our lives, we need those hard times to help us grow. Thirdly, when we have the storms and trials come through our life, our faith is tested, and our perseverance will help us to build up uh, our, our faith and our trust in the Lord and make us stronger. And I mentioned that the Lord used flying airplanes in my life to draw me closer to Him, and. Uh, I remember when I was learning how to fly, I'd work all week long uh, just to to build up enough money so I can take one flying lesson. Uh, I'd work in a grocery store, I'd work in a car wash, whatever I could do to get money to go fly. So I had enough money. Uh, Once I had enough money, it was time to go fly. Well, the problem was, was the airport was not around the corner from my house, and I didn't have a car, and I didn't have money for a bus or a taxi. So I had to walk to the airport and the airport was seven and a half miles away from my house. So I would do this a couple times a month to just in order to take those flying lessons, I'd walk seven and a half miles, it took me two and a half hours to get to the airport just to take one flying lesson. Sometimes I'd have to walk back all the way because I wouldn't have enough money left over for a bus. Sometimes I'd have enough uh, to get one way, sometimes I wouldn't have enough to get, get there at all so I'd have to walk both ways. But I'd do that for about a year, year and a half before I got my first car. It was a 1978 Ford Granada. Wow, that was an awesome car. Everybody remembers their first car, right? That was, a, that was definitely a grandfather car for sure. But just for a perspective, seven and a half miles is from here to the print shop. So if the Lord put something on your heart so deeply and you knew that you had to be doing something, if he called you to do something that you were sure that he'd have you do it, would you do it? Would you walk seven and a half miles to go put together a John Romans if that's what he called you to do? right? I mean, if he's calling us to do something, he'll give us the strength to do it. There might be a storm in your way saying, oh, that's too hard. I don't have the money to do that. I'm not walking seven and a half miles to, to the print shop to put together John Romans, or I'm not walking seven and a half miles or 15 miles or whatever it is to, you know, go learn how to fly an airplane. But, you know, when these storms come in our lives, the Lord puts those in there so he can help us to grow, so he can help us grow closer to him, so he can help us to learn who we are, and, and put faith and trust in him so we can move forward in what he wants us to do, what he wants us to accomplish in life. I think uh, Brett told me a story one time when you first started getting the paper delivered to the print shop. You didn't have a, a, um, uh, a forklift that you had to rent one from the time rental or something, and you had to drive it all the way from the time rental to the print shop. <laughs> I mean, the, the, those are some storms, right? I'm sure you remember that. People probably beeping the horn, what are you doing, you're going so slow or whatever. But the joy on the other side of that, right? By persevering through that, now we have our own forklift and we don't even think about those things. But, you know, the character that was built during those times when the print shop first started and all those challenges and struggles, you know, it's that perseverance, it's that persistence that the Lord wants us to develop. And as we move forward, we trust him more and he shows us uh, more of his grace and mercy in our lives and, and he helps us to grow. That's the determination that he wants us to have. And that's what James is trying to tell us here. When we understand that the trials are not just wasted occurrences, we can then start to look for and see the joy uh, that, that the Lord wants to bring about. When we see our trials as something that will make us become spiritually stronger, it'll be easier for us to endure the storms, won't it? It'll be easier for us to get through those storms when we know that this, there's a spiritual aspect to this here, that the Lord is trying to teach me something. You don't have to turn there, but uh, Romans 2-5 says this, Uh, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. So we can have that that joy, that peace, that hope uh, that comes with, with loving and trusting and knowing the Lord. Uh, through those times of tribulation. So as we move into uh, verse 4 here, James 1, we see James also is encouraging the believers to let patience uh, complete its purpose. Verse 4 says, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Here we see the word let. That word let there means it's a choice, right? We have a choice there. It's a choice that we have to make to let patience have its perfect work. We could have flew off the handle today, uh, you know, at the DMV people or in your workplace, right? And we could have just took it into our own hands. But, you know, when we let patience have its perfect work, that's what the Lord wants us to do. That's what can keep us encouraged as we move forward through these, through these challenges here. I could have lost my testimony today and told the folks there at the motor vehicle place what they really needed to do with that paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> to fix the process, right? Of course. <laughs> But I embrace the storm, and I let patience have her perfect work. See, embracing the storms of life will yield that patience. And patience must be allowed to continue in order for us to see that end result. But we need to keep our eyes on the prize, keep our eyes on Christ, so we can experience that end result of fulfillment and joy. Verse 4 tells us, But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. The word perfect here is not sinless perfection, but being mature or fully grown. When we embrace the storms and accept whatever resistance is in front of us, we'll be able to grow and mature as believers and let the Lord lift us up to that place of contentment and peace. During Grayson's funeral on Monday, his dad quoted 2 Corinthians 1.4 and said, maybe going through this hardship of losing Grayson, uh, it will uh, give you the strength and perseverance to help someone else. We often think that a Christian matures because they've been saved for many, many years, but you know That's not necessarily the case. I know Christians are so-called Christians that have been so-called Christians for years, but they're still spiritual babes because they haven't let the trials and you know, gone through those things or trusted the Lord uh, through those times. So, so that's not always necessarily the case. But 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4 says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the Father of, uh, of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforted us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them. Which, may, uh, which are in any trouble uh, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So, what he's saying there is, you know, if we're going through the, ch- the trials and challenges, we can use that in another situation that we might be able to help someone else that's going through a similar challenge there. So, in addition uh, to letting patience and perseverance mature us, embracing the storms in life will also help to complete us. Help to complete us. The end of verse 4 says that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Uh, the word uh, entire here means being complete or whole. We see that God used trials in Joseph's life to mature him and to complete him, and then God used him to save his people. Uh, the illustration there, when Joseph went through the trials, uh, his brothers sold him into slavery, Potiphar's wife accused him falsely, Pharaoh's cupbearer forgot about him, and, uh, in, and in God's plan, uh, he used Joseph to basically uh, to be the second in line to, to Pharaoh and helped his family there. So as we patiently walk through trials, uh, God will, uh, uh, will make us content in Christ. Uh, James is teaching, uh, teaching us to not be afraid when the storms or difficulties arise, but to count it all joy. Uh, embracing the storms in life or finding joy in the midst of our trials is the principle that we see all throughout the Bible here. I have lots of different verses here. I won't have time to go through all of them, but just a couple here. Matthew 5.12 says, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so per- persecuted they the prophets Which were before you, Uh, Hebrews twelve two. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The early believers also found joy during their trials. Acts five forty one says, and they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer uh, for His name. Uh, James five ten and eleven says. Uh, take my brethren the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Uh, they have heard of the patience of Job uh, and have seen the end of the Lord, that, they, that uh, the Lord is very uh, pitiful and of tender mercy. So the application here as I start to wrap things up tonight, uh, the overall uh, theme here is of these verses, James is ultimately uh, trying to encourage us to be able to find joy In the storms of life. It's realizing that the trials uh, produce patience and the greatest benefit to us as believers is that we will mature as we trust the Lord and we become complete in thee, complete in Christ. If you're facing storms or resistance tonight, just want to encourage you, don't quit. Don't quit. Face Face your fears, face your trials, your struggles, your challenges. Face that resistance. Embrace the storms. And watch God build you up and grow you and mature you uh, and give you that endurance that you need, that contentment, uh, that peace that passes all understanding. I think this final story here will put into perspective the importance of embracing storms. I'm going to read it here. It's fairly lengthy, but, um, but bear with me. So, uh, In the late 80s and early 90s, scientists constructed a research facility in Arizona called Biosphere 2. Anybody ever heard of Biosphere 2 or this experiment? A couple of folks. Okay, so you kind of know, maybe you know where I'm going with this. Uh, it was built to study the interaction between life systems in a controlled environment, such as a rainforest, an ocean, wetlands, all these things were kind of in this little contained biosphere, if you will, and people lived there for two years. It says, uh, to successfully maintain human life for an indefinite period of time, they had to recreate all the ecological necessities of Earth that could sustain both, uh, both itself and the human life uh, living within it. Uh, it would have uh, been able to produce oxygen and water as well as the other elements necessary uh, for the ongoing demands of plant and human life. So it had to be self-sustained, self-contained. Some design flaws in the er- and early setbacks skewed the findings, but there is one thing that they did discover. One of the biggest lessons of this Biosphere 2 experiment came from trees. It came from trees. For humans to flourish in the vacuum of space or in a sealed environment like the biosphere with multiple ecosystems that had to be created, the system had to work in harmony uh, for the arid, the temperate, and the tropical to produce the vital uh, pieces of the Earth's life cycle. Trees were essential. In fact, they were the most vital uh, uh, link to sustaining life. Trees would not only produce fruit for the food chain, but oxygen for the life chain. Trees Trees would be the essential players in the production of moisture and rain. So nothing but, uh, but the best trees were selected. As they started to build this thing, they got the best trees in the world, and they planted these trees there. They were put in place well in advance of the experiment, so they'd be firmly established. But once the scientists were sealed inside this dome for two years, it was obvious that something went seriously wrong with these trees. The trees didn't flourish. They were drooping, they were sagging, and they weren't, being a tree. Their lack of oxygen diminished, and the amount of oxygen that they were creating also diminished, so they had to pump oxygen into this biosphere. So this put in motion a string of life-threatening uh, problems because of the, uh, the lack of oxygen there. They had to pump it in. Uh, so there was one key factor to raising strong trees that the scientists had failed to include, and that was there was no wind in the biosphere. There was no wind in the biosphere. The trees were never forced to contend with the contrary winds. The, uh, the trees in the forest that they normally would, would face would be winds and, you know, things would be contrary, and, and, and that's, what, that's what the trees needed. Contrary, contrary winds and occasional fierce gales have the effect of developing healthy bark, deep roots, and strong, nimble cores. Without wind, trees are brittle and vulnerable. So I thought that was pretty interesting, because think about that, the storms in our life, Right? We need those storms because that helps us in many different ways. We were never designed to live in a biosphere with no wind. God intended for winds and storms to blow in our life for the purpose of developing strength and maturity in our lives. It's comforting to know that when God blows the winds of trials through the trees of your life, he's fashioning you to bear the fruit of maturity, the fruit of perseverance, and the fruit of contentment. I gave an example the other night, uh, and I'll, I'll close with this here. Uh, When we were giving testimony of Grayson's life, I used that simple illustration of what I witnessed when he came over there with the boys from Casper, uh, and he was a chaperone, that uh, they set up tents in our backyard. And, uh, you know, the the young boys there, uh, probably one of the first times setting up a tent, uh, they didn't really know what they were doing. Grayson kind of gave them some guidance, helped them. So they set their tent up. Grayson had his his tent set up, and uh, they went out for the day, and the storm came through. And uh, the storm, the wind started blowing and we had to just, we had to do something because the tents were blowing all over the place. But we looked over there, the tent that the young boys put up uh, was already blown over and we had to get all their stuff out of there so it wouldn't get wet and all that. But then I look over at Grayson's tent and Grayson's tent was, it was shaking in the wind, but it wasn't blown over. It was stable, it was staked down, it was steady and it was, it was secure So no doubt one day uh, uh, Grayson was like those young boys who were inexperienced, who were immature, who didn't really know what to do Uh, with their tent there. uh, He was still growing. Uh, But uh, he likely had his tent blown over a time or two uh, before he got to that point. But those earlier storms in Grayson's life gave him just enough resistance, just enough perseverance to help him grow stronger and to learn what he needed to do better when that next storm came. And that's, that's the picture I have of Grayson. He was just well-grounded in all that he did. And, um, and I just, you know, I, th- I thought that was an interesting correlation there. You know, the storms come through. The ones with the inexperience, their tent blew over, but his was still standing strong. And, you know, that's why his tent was up there. At some point or many points in his life, those strong winds came, but he persevered. He embraced the storm, and he learned what he needed to do. I think uh, this one last example here that was mentioned during his, uh, his funeral one of his brothers mentioned uh, a motorcycle i guess the first time he got on a motorcycle i don't know if those that uh, watched that heard that but uh, he just jumped on a motorcycle and just kind of gave it the gas and it went into a wheelie and it was dragging him all around or whatever and he wouldn't let go of this thing he was just you know he was holding on to it and then i guess he hit a hit a curb or something and the bike the bike went over the road and he f- went head first into a ditch or something like that or into a bush or something and his feet were dangling out the, <laughs> the bush or something like that so his brothers telling the story and and uh, the thing that he mentioned, though, too, is, you know, Grayson didn't let that get him down. Because what did he do? He got out of the bush. He kind of shook himself off and he says, well, I wasn't expecting that to happen. <laughs> and he got back on the motorcycle and he started riding. Uh, so even though he had a storm, he had a challenge there. He didn't let that stop him. He kept moving forward. So, so how about you tonight? Are you embracing your storms? Are you persevering? Or are you running for shelter? You know, we need to embrace the storms in our lives. We need to take comfort in the verse tonight. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you for your blessings. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you, Lord, that you take us through storms. We thank you that, Lord, we're not in a biosphere with no wind. Lord, that we need to go through these trials. We need to go through these challenges to to help us to grow, to to help our faith grow stronger in you. And and Lord, I just thank you for the storm. And I pray, Lord, that you would uh, continue to encourage us as we move forward in whatever storm we're going through. Lord, that we would count it all joy and look to you and to give you glory and honor as we come through that storm and, and experience the joy on the other side. Lord, we ask that you dismiss us now with your blessing. Keep us safe as we depart from here. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name, amen.